Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show today. I'm so glad that you're spending time with me. And this is an episode that I love what we talked about because it's my heartbeat. It's where I really believe as as moms, as caregivers, it's the work that will make all the difference in our relationships. And that is healing our own wounds and being curious about why we react and respond the way that we do. When we're parenting a tween or a teen, It's easy to be fearful. There's a lot of scary stuff out there. And we often can end up focusing on those things that we want to change about our kid or those things that frustrate us versus really looking at ourselves and getting curious about why am I having this big reaction? And what is really going on with me? And I have learned in my own life as a mom and also working with hundreds of moms when we can get curious about what's going on inside of us and our own wounds that need healing, it will transform not only us, but our relationships, our relationships with our kids and in our family and with others. And today, my special guest is Elise Knox, and she is a certified trauma-informed coach who believes that if we do not heal our own wounds, we unknowingly will navigate the world searching for danger everywhere as a means of protection, especially when it comes to parenting our tweens and teens. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode because when we can begin to get curious about our own wounds and what's going on inside of us, we're going to be able to show up for our kids with less fear, less judgment, and we will be better equipped to show up for our kids in the ways that they desperately need us to. So I can't wait for you to listen to this rich and meaningful conversation. Let's jump in. Welcome, Elise, to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I'm really looking forward to talking to you and the meaningful conversation that we're going to have today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, when I got your email and I watched your video you sent me, which was really cool that you did that. And then I read about 
what you kind of your your philosophy, your perspective, where you're coming from in the way that you support moms and teens that you work with. I was like, I've got to have you on the show because we're so aligned with where we're coming from. And I love that you're willing to go deeper. One of the things that you talk a lot about what I've read um, about you is how our wounds play such a big role in how we parent our kids, which Mm -hmm. I couldn't be, you know, agree more. And I feel like that's a place we don't want to (laughs) go. I know I certainly, when I started out on this journey, my oldest now is just turned 32. When she was a tween, I took her to get fixed and I took her to therapy. Mm -hmm. And then through that, I was like, Oh, I think I'm the one that needs help here. I think maybe there's some unfinished business And we can focus on our kids and what needs to be fixed and all of those things and supporting them is important. But when it gets down to it, it really is about what's going on with me that this is so upsetting for me, that this is, what is this triggering in me? And I would love to hear what you've learned and you have two girls Mm -hmm. and you know, what have you, and you're, you are a stepmom. So Mm -hmm. what have you learned about yourself? And it sounds like the journey began with your stepson, who's in his 20s now. But Mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about what led you to focusing on wounds and how that impacts us? Yeah, I mean, I think that so I did a health coach training program, which kind of got me into coaching. And then I wasn't planning on working with teens or I was like, I had my own health challenges, which was what got me to health coaching. I found myself working at a middle school with students as a health coach, which was very interesting. Um, There you are back in the middle school. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And the, it was, it was great to connect again with middle schoolers in that one-on-one setting. It was like way more my, my jam and not creating curriculum for them. And it was kind of in a vacuum. I was working with the middle schoolers and I didn't, some parents would like contact me and and we would have a conversation, but a lot of times we wouldn't. And it was like, I can coach these kids all day long, but if they're going home to the same environment where their parents aren't receiving support, And I'm not, you know, like nothing really changes because our environment matters, Mm -hmm. which is how I kind of wound up where I am supporting moms of teens and teens. Um, And like you said, I have moms that contact me and they're like, my daughter needs help. And I have a call with the mom and then I have a call with the teen and I'm like, oh, she could use some support for sure. And how can I help you? Exactly. Yep. So you're, you're hitting on something I'm a huge believer in is how we need support as moms and we need to be working on ourselves. And it's wonderful what the schools are doing with the social emotional learning. But if you go back home and we're not learning this and practicing this in our own home, it does, you know, it does impact our kids and it makes a huge difference when we are practicing it in our homes. So it's, it's, yes. 
I love how you saw that you saw that need. And like, I, I'm a big believer and I want to help to, you know, to fill that gap. I have a very, very big wound of being like getting my heart broken into a million pieces by my high school boyfriend as a freshman. I like, it still impacts me today. And so that is something that I already have fear. You know, my daughter is my oldest daughter is nine and I already have so much fear about that first heartbreak. And so really looking at that, like, how is my fear and anxiety around what happened to me playing into how I interact with her? And, you know, she hasn't had a boyfriend yet. She's going into fourth grade next year, but those are going to start happening. And like, I just have an immense amount of awareness around it. And I like, because I actually also, when I work with teens who are in this phase of like getting their first boyfriend, a lot of like they say, they will say to me, I don't talk to my mom about it because when I brought it up to her, she immediately went to like pregnancy, heartbreak, drugs, alcohol. And they're like, we're literally just holding hands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It brings up so much, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Like of that fear and that trigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a perfect example of if you're not really cued in to like, where is this my stuff? Where is this their stuff? Like when is like our kids are their own little humans and they have, they're different than we were. Their parents are different than our parents were. Their social circle is like, everything's different, but we're like, I went through this and I'm going to help you with this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, and I just want the moms to hear this. I mean, so much of what we can what we can end up doing is that word projection. I don't know if everybody mm-hmm. had, under, knows what that word means. I think it's used more nowadays, mm-hmm. what most mm-hmm. of us know, but where we're putting ourselves onto our kids and mm-hmm. our experiences, like you said, I have that too, even though my kids mm-hmm. are older and I have a granddaughter and she'll say, Oh, I have a crush. Now she's going into second grade. I have a crush on a boy at school. And, and I'm like, Oh, no, you know, I just notice inside myself, like panicking already, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and like, I have to give her this, this sermon, you know, on, on, you know, well, what kind of boy is he? Is he nice to you? Is he kind? Is he, you know, just like, oh my gosh, she's going into second grade, you know? And yeah, so I'm, I'm relating to you. Yeah. 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 And it's like, for me, it's you, like as a parent, it's, it's not like, a oh, like, I'm just going to start paying attention to this now. It's like, okay, like, let me be really intentional and clear with like noticing when I'm really triggered by something and maybe like sitting down and journaling about it or really thinking it through because life is so busy. And if we don't take the time, we're just like, I don't know, somebody described it to me as like, just, we're kind of just like bumping up against everybody's and our own traumas or wounds. If we don't 
slow down and say like, why is, why is this so important or triggering to me? So yes. mm-hmm. it's, it's like, like it's happening to us. Like yeah. a ping pong, I think of the, like a ping, um, a ping, what's it called? The old, um, arcade oh, the pinball pinball. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Pinball machine. I mean, mm-hmm. so much we're just trigger after trigger rather than we really do need to slow down and be curious yeah. about what, what's going on with me. Yeah. 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 And like with my stepson and what I learned and what I'm, you know, choosing to do differently this time is he also had some wild spirit in him. And I was always just looking for the, the bad and looking for the lying and looking for, I was like, I've done, I've done everything. You can't get anything past me. And that is like, not a great place to come from in parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you say that, you mean like the suspicion and the not trusting and going Mm -hmm. and coming in from a perspective before you even know what's Mm -hmm. happening, you're already not trusting Mm -hmm. based on what you were doing at that age. Am I correct? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes I was correct because he was doing things that, you know, at that age, he were, you know, were things that I did, but were things I didn't want him to be doing and always looking for the lie or the mischief or whatever is creating this energy of more of that. Yeah. The negativity, like you're not for me, you're against me. Mm hmm. And I don't trust you. It's almost like you're, you know, that you're going in with that negative energy of like, not you're fighting against rather than fighting for somebody is how I kind of, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. fighting's not the right word, but like you're for him, but instead it puts this, yeah, Yeah. this, this, um, spin on it where it's like you're not as supportive as what they need at the time. Yeah. So what would you do differently? Like you said, you're doing it different. Like if you had to go back, not, we're not going to live in regret or guilt ourselves, (laughs) but what do you feel like you learned that you, you wish you maybe did differently, or maybe you're doing it differently with him now? Yeah. I mean, I want to first acknowledge the challenges of being in a split family home for everybody involved, you know, it was hard for his mom. It was hard for me and my husband and it was hard for him. It's challenging. And then like you add teenage years to it and rebellion and it becomes even more challenging. So I will say that. And like connecting before just like having moments of really trying to connect with him instead of like where's he being shady? I'm going to find out. That is one thing. Um, I think it is so important to have the foundations prior to going into these teenage years. Um, so like I make a habit of always apologizing to my daughters if I lose my temper so that I will be able to do that when they're teenagers and because I'm sure I will at times make mistakes in those years too. Um, and I think (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> if you don't have that foundation, it feels scary to admit when you're wrong. More, say more. I love that. But yeah, you- so I never felt like this a really strong foundation of relationship with him, partly because like I was new, I was a lot younger. I, I was never trying to be his mom. I didn't want to be his mom. And I just didn't have, yeah, like a, a strong foundation of a relationship. So to say like, oh, hey, I overreacted. Sorry. Felt not safe because it wasn't, the relationship wasn't there. Whereas with my kids, A, they've been hearing me apologize since they can remember me talking and B, like the foundation is so solid that it's okay. I feel totally safe to do that. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. I I really just want to pause and say, thank you for saying about how it's challenging being a step family, you know, Mm -hmm. because a lot of our listeners, they're in that situation. They're dealing with exes and different ways of parenting. And it's, it is challenging. And this kid that, you know, you, you marry in and you have, you know, you have kids and with that are their children and how do you integrate and what I'm, cause I grew up in a step family. I mean, I was part of a step family for five and a half years and gosh, it was, there's a lot of different emotions and, you know, I don't know if this happened to you, but even maybe not feeling accepted or feeling rejected, like you're not really the mom. So who are you to tell me what to do? Mm-hmm. That's a big one. If you feel like your feelings are getting hurt a lot. I mean, we can feel that with our tweens and teens too, but it's low. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it totally is. And I think looking back with the knowledge and information and experience I have working with parents of this age, my husband got to the point of like my connection with him is the most important thing and micromanaging his behaviors. He got there is not helpful. He (laughs) got there a lot earlier than I did. And I think that probably speaks to him being the biological parent and me being the step parent and feeling often like it wasn't always my first choice to be parenting at a young, you know, step parenting at a young age. And my husband got to the, like, I just want him to be safe and okay. Versus I'm going to like spy on him and figure out what he's doing wrong much sooner, which my husband is an an amazing father. So that speaks to like how I want to be with my girls too. Focusing more on the connection and the relationship Mm -hmm. than the other stuff that oftentimes we cannot control. No. And by trying, it sounds like you were trying to control things, trying to Mm -hmm. find out what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And, and that never works, does it? No, I mean, trying to control just puts a wedge in like the connection to you yourself, because you're constantly like, searching and, and micromanaging and analyzing, and then really the connection to them. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we don't need to be aware that there's things going on and having boundaries. But if we're, if we're going about it that first at the expense of the relationship, it, yeah, yeah, it's like our kids, 
you know, need us to be seeing them and listening and trying to get to know them and where they're coming from first. So, yeah. Yes. And I would say that is the piece that I work with moms on most is that like, yes, take care of you. Yes. Try not to micromanage and yes, you have boundaries and you're concerned for their safety and you're expressing that to them. And there are still rules. It's not like you're like, Oh, now we're just connecting and I have no rules or boundaries. Those are also still important, but you can't lose the connection piece. Yeah. I, I kind of liken it to bringing the inflammation in the relationship down. Mm, because if you're, yeah, if your relationship is really inflamed, you know, and there's this heightened tension, um, and animosity, you know, it's going to be hard with the other stuff, you know, with, with setting boundaries and all those things. So, yeah. And how is your relationship with your, your stepson changed? Has, have there been bridges that have been built through, you know, just the work that you've been doing on yourself? You know, it's very interesting. That's a, a great question. And it is one of the areas that I still find I get the most triggered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there was just in the, uh, in the winter, there was this, something that happened and I immediately went back to, I mean, it was like a trauma response times a hundred. All of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, I mean, there were some hard times with him. So I'm not discounting that trauma that I experienced with him. And my nervous system was responding to like him when he was 16 and he's 24. And I think it was especially, especially hard for me because I was like, I, this is what I do. Like, how am I having this response? I felt bad about it, but I think like that doesn't help anything. So I just really expressed it to my husband. And I said, you know, like this, this is, I'm, I'm just going to be really honest with you. Like my response right now is not in modern in current times. It's not in modern day. It's in past high school days. And I like, I'm, I'm going to seek some help for this because this really doesn't feel good for me. That is so good. And for not good that that happened, but for moms to know, I think we think we're going to arrive one day. <laughs> yeah. You no. Know? And that it's just not going to happen anymore. And yeah. it still does. And you, but the difference is you recognized it mm-hmm. and you knew it was happening and you knew you needed to express and you knew that you needed support to work through whatever that was, that was ha- you know, happening within you. Mm-hmm. And that's the growth. Yes. Yeah. And, and to think that we're not going to do that now, did you notice you responded differently? I mean, it sounds like you did just based on going and talking to your husband and he's a safe person to do that with. It sounds like you've worked a lot on that. Sometimes going to our husbands and, you know, spilling that might not always be the right person, depending upon what it is, but you, you took it and you knew you had to be proactive, but did you respond differently with him than you would have in the past? Um, I mean, I, I put some space in between 
us so that I had time to process my own stuff before I had to be with him in a, in a calm and regulated way, Mm -hmm. Um, which has kind of always been my role. And I don't know exactly how I feel about that though. Like I was never the one to enforce things. I was kind of behind the scenes, like, Hey, this doesn't feel good. Like, what are we going to do about that? But my husband was usually the, the face of the conversation. Um, and I think my stepson and I have, have some healing to do around all of it. I mean, it's just such a complicated relationship. And I think the work that I've done, like, and, and the work that can be done by everybody, it, it's not easy and it like digs things up and it feels uncomfortable and not everybody wants to go there. And it's where real healing happens. Yes. Where real healing happens. Yeah. And to be able to go there. Cause otherwise what I realized with my oldest, when she was a tween, I was making her bad a lot Mm -hmm. because it, it was, it was my stuff. And I didn't know how to deal with it. Like she was a kid that she was more impulsive. She had ADHD. Um, She was angry, which anger was not okay to talk about growing up. So it was triggering all these, like, we don't, we don't get angry. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, and I'm not angry. Well, (laughs) turns out I was pretty angry, you know, but blaming Mm-hmm. You know, blaming her versus and and thinking she's being a bad kid. She was not a bad kid. She was a great kid. I just hadn't healed a lot of my own wounds around how to deal with her anger because I had never had a safe place to process my own anger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love how you're just talking about that healing um, paying attention, like the trauma informed parenting. So yeah. let's, let's, cause you've done trauma training. I have too. I would love for you to, to, uh, define that with our listeners. Um, and I think like the simplest way to describe it is this analogy of like, um, if two people go to the desert and one person has, just never like they're at Joshua tree. It's beautiful. It's amazing. They're looking at all the cacti, like the trees. It's just so cool. And the other person had a really bad experience with a snake when they were younger, they're going to go to Joshua tree and they're just going to be looking constantly for a snake because they've heard their snakes in Joshua tree. And so they're like, where's the snake? Where's the snake? Where's the snake? There's probably a snake. They're not enjoying themselves. They're not seeing the trees. They're not seeing the cacti. They're looking for a snake. So this is the difference between someone who's had a trauma with like getting broken up with, or maybe getting into bad behaviors, or maybe like they struggled in school, like we talked about. Or maybe they weren't like they got shamed for expressing big anger and big emotions as a child. So they're like, where's the, where are these things happening? Let me find them. Let me like, you know, we all have different reactions as parents, but let me solve the problem before it ever happens. Let me 
mm-hmm. whatever your response to that is, you're look, you're searching for that and you're on high alert. Whereas, and we all, I think we all have a fair amount of probably small T trauma. Some of us have big T trauma. Um, I would say I don't have any big, many big T traumas in my little, in my younger years at all. And so, but I do have these little things. So like with the example of my daughter and reading, I'm like, oh my gosh, immediately she just like wants to look at her yearbook. And I'm like, you're not going to love school anymore (laughs) because I'm looking for like where she might not be doing well in school or where she might not be loving reading. Yeah. And, and it sounds like what's the, um, what's the belief underneath it. Like if she's, if she's not reading, then what's going to happen? If she's not reading, then she's not going to do, like, she's not going to feel confident in her reading. She's not going to do well in school. She's not going to, I mean, like her love of learning at this age is so inspiring to me because I didn't have that. And I do have that now. And so actually that's the conversation that I get to have with her that I did have with her when I repaired from my like initial, you have to read 20 minutes. I said, listen, I know you know me as someone with like my head in a book every time I have a few moments. However, I wasn't always like that. Like reading was really challenging for me, which made school really challenging for me. So when you said last night that you just wanted to look at your yearbook, my response came from like my own insecurity about my ability to read. And I didn't want, like, I was afraid that you weren't going to love reading anymore. And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, mom. Well, <laughs> but everybody that's, that's listening, I'm sure is relating. I mean, I certainly am. And you're modeling yeah. for her what goes on. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking, cause you don't want her to feel the pain that you felt. Absolutely. And that is where as a mother, like that's where all of our responses are coming from. We, we don't want them to hurt. No. I mean, I think that's where all of it as a mom is coming from. Like the, you know, we I, I personally, and I imagine I speak for most moms, like I feel their pain in my body. I do too. Like right now, my heart kind of hurts. You know, like mm-hmm. as we talk about this, I feel it in my chest. You know, mm-hmm. and and yeah. I remember when my one of my kids was having trouble learning. I mean, reading, and um, they had been tested. They were like in first grade, and I remember them bringing me in, and they're like, "You better get them to read by third grade, or they're not going to be able to read." And Ooh. I remember I went out and into the car and I just bawled because it was that very thing, you know, remembering Mm -hmm. what that was like. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 And I mean, couldn't every, every human use a little trauma informed uh, information so that they don't say things to that, like parents to send them into their own. I mean, like, yeah, as a as an educator, as a administrator, as just a human in the world, like if we could communicate a little bit more with more love and intention so that we could avoid things like that, it would be amazing because that's heartbreaking as a parent. Yeah. And then seeing where we want to control things mm-hmm. out of that. Like when you were like, okay, you got to read for 20 minutes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just reckon you talked yourself down off the ledge and then you apologized. Yes. And I cannot say enough about like the power of apologies and repair because we all make mistakes. There's never like, we're never going to get through this thing without making mistakes. And so get really comfortable with saying sorry. Yeah. And repairing. Mm-hmm. I'll even sometimes recognize a moment and then I'll be like, oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. All right. Can we rewind? Like, let's start over. You know? mm-hmm. And that can be a powerful way. Yeah. Like, let's rewind that tape. And uh, although our kids don't rewind tape anymore. Tape, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it works with, it's, it, it also models for them that it's okay to make mistakes, that you can fix problems, that, you know, like it's just so powerful for them to see. I think as a parent of a younger person, and I know this will change, so I'm not planning this is going to happen forever, but they really look at us as like the the person with all the answers. And so the more that I can say like, I don't know the answer to this and, oh man, I just made a mistake. Let me see how I can fix this problem. Like so important. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up something important that you're like entering those years and you know this from being a middle school teacher and working with parents, but where they don't want our advice, Mm -hmm. you know, and they, they were telling and we're giving them advice Rather than what you said, like asking them, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. It's very different. And not that they don't need guidance, but what I find with, with tweens and t- parenting tweens and teens, we just want to tell them so they don't make a mistake. So they, you know, they aren't feeling, experiencing pain or anxiety or whatever it is. We're yes. wanting to tell them what to do. Yes. But that's not what they're asking for so often. They just want to be heard and to say, well, what do you think? You know, Mm -hmm. what do you think about that? What do you think might help you? Mm -hmm. And tell me more is a a phrase that I love. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Tell Uh, me more. Yeah. Cause sometimes as a parent of a tween and a teen, you're like, you know, your, your response to whatever they're sharing or saying is you're caught off guard. And so if you can just have a few like, Oh, tell me more or, Oh, that's interesting. I would love to hear, you know, like anything that you're not having to come up with a response because likely your response will be like a shutdown or, you know, and so it's important to think about your facial expressions and the energy that you come with. Um, But it's also really important to have some like fallbacks questions or statements or just like, "Mm -hmm," so that you can have a little time to compose yourself and be in that open listening place rather than the advice giving. That's a horrible idea place. Yes. I love that because we are tempted to say those things and we can say, well, don't give advice, but (laughs) that's not as helpful as what do we do? What can we say instead? Yeah. Of giving that advice. Oh, mm, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that would be powerful. And then they keep talking. And yeah. Rather than being like a turtle and putting their head in the shell and like, I'm not going to talk to you because I'm going to get a lecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think another thing with that is just like, 
what would you like? How would you like me to show up in this situation? Would you like advice? Would you like me to just listen? Like getting clarity from what they want because they're coming to us with a problem. We have been the fixers for their whole lives as mothers. And so it's hard to step out of that role. And that's not, they typically don't want your advice when they're tweens and teens. I, mm -hmm. and you still really want them to share with you. Like that's so like every mom of a teen and a tween and a teen is like, I don't say anything right. They don't tell me anything anymore. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. So how do you like keep that communication open is like you say, how, like, what, what would you like from me in this situation? Do you want advice or do you want me to just listen? I think that's good. Uh, a good way to take care of ourselves too. Mm-hmm. Because we're asking, what do you want from me? And then if they say, I just want you to listen. Oh, okay. Like that's good mm-hmm. feedback to mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's important. Yeah. And I, and, and like along with that, having support, whether it's a friend or preferably not a friend who's also a mom of a teen in your friend, kid's friend circle. Like sometimes it can be isolating as a teen parent because your teen might not want you to share things. You might not want to share things. Like when they're little, you go to library circle and talk about potty training and sleep and all of those things. And all those things are fair game. But when they're tweens and teens, there's some stuff that you might not want to share with their friends, parents. Oh yeah. Yeah. Either because shame. Yeah. Yeah. Either your shame or they're like, mom, don't tell my, like, don't tell your friends, you know? So having support, whether that's a therapist, a coach, a friend who lives a hundred miles away, because if, if you are changing the roles from fixer to listener, you're going to be taking on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you are probably going to want to like talk to somebody else about it. Yeah. We started, I started um inner circle membership a couple of years ago. And this year was the first, this last time we opened it was the first time we did um, groups where moms could meet over zoom and we had facilitator. Mm-hmm. You would be a great facilitator by the way. Um, <laughs> and you know, for one of the groups and um and it was so powerful because moms could come in there and they could just vent and they could just yeah. share. And yeah. then they find out they're not alone because so many moms feel like they're the only ones because they don't, like you, like you said, they don't feel safe to be able to talk about it. And they don't know who to talk about. Or you're going to judge me or you might judge my kid or it might get back mm-hmm. to my kid or I might be betraying their confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I want you to talk a little bit. Um, I know we're coming to the end, but you talk about mom guilt and shame and how we, we put such a burden on ourselves that it it sucks our joy as, Mm -hmm. um, as moms. Can you talk about, talk about that a little bit and how you work with your clients? Because I don't know one mom that doesn't have that, you know, struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first is kind of in in alignment with what we were just saying, like, um, shame lives in the dark. Mm -hmm. It can't really survive in the light. And as the parent of a teen, we, we keep everything kind of like in, 
And so it's just inside of us and it's festering. I mean, there's like the mom guilt that I feel like goes across all, all age levels, but I think the shame really, really can get intense in this, in this time. Um, also because if, if we're like, my kid is, is a part of me and they are, and they've always been like this pretty well-behaved child. And then they go to the to the rebellious or the dark side or whatever it is, it feels like it's a reflection of us. Mm-hmm. And so um, again, it's like really looking at ourselves and, and, and figuring out like, why is this making me feel this way? And how do I, how can I support myself to see them as an individual and me as an individual and, and like to do my own work so that their behavior and choices, as much as I love them and care about them, it's not like, doesn't feel like a direct reflection on me. Yeah. I love how you told me before we got on here that really you had felt like you had a very healthy childhood and Mm -hmm. You felt very supported and yet you still rebelled. Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I did. Um, I have, uh, my mom passed away, but I have two amazing parents. My mom and I were um, extremely close and that's actually part of the reason why I do the work that I do. I feel like I lost like six years of, and you know, we had, we had moments of connection all through there, of course. But there was a lot of time of not being connected and 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 not feeling supported, even though she was doing everything she could to support me in the way that she could, you know. And so bringing like that connection back to this time of life for moms and teens is just really it's really important to me. And and teens behavior like the more you learn about the brain development of an adolescent and a teenager, the more you're like, oh, this is, this is just a necessary step. Yeah. And oh this, my gosh. It makes so much sense. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so as much as like knowing about brain development, doesn't make it easier for the mom of a teen who's doing things that feel so um, hurtful and not like they used to be. I always do bring it into my coaching in subtle ways because it's, it's important for them to hear it. Like it's important for them to take care of themselves and to be really supported. And then also to like know the science of these phases that every human has to go through to get to a healthy adult human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's develop. A lot of it is developmental. It's the brain mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. development. Mm-hmm. They're trying to pull, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to become more independent and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the brain is disconnected. <laughs> it's the reasoning part of the brain and the emotional part of the brain. It's, it's in the process of connecting. So a lot of their behavior is. when you understand that. It does. And like the social, the importance of all social relationships and like the lack of care for family relationships for a little while there, which I remember in myself so clearly, 
um, and can be very painful for parents is like a necessary step in becoming a healthy social adult. Yeah. Like you want it to belong. I want, they all want to belong and fit in and Mm -hmm. find their place. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, they need to learn how to fit in and belong and also Mm -hmm. how to use their voice to Mm -hmm. say no. Mm -hmm. So we're their practice ground. It's yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting. What, like something that I, that I say on my website and when I talk to moms is like, part of learning part of your teen, if I'm working with a teen, like you want them to set healthy boundaries with their peers because you're, you know, you're worried about groups of peers do crazy things. We know all that, you know, but I'm like, part of that is going to be them setting boundaries with you too. Like part of a teen learning boundaries is that they're, it's not like they're like, Oh, I only set boundaries with friends, but you know? And so it it is part of the process of like, oh, they're going to get stronger in all these areas. And that's going to reflect at home too. Yeah. It's, that's such a good point. And to to know that and not take it personally, but to go, oh, okay, this is what's going on. And they're not Mm going to always do it responsibly because they, they haven't learned how to do that. Yeah. 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 And, and we're trying to learn how to do that still. <laughs> we're oh, all yes. working in progress. Yes. So, yeah. Well, Elise, it's been so fun to have you on the show and be able to talk to you and get to know you and hear your wisdom and, you know, your story and how you're supporting moms and teenagers. Uh, let them know where to find you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. I love connecting with people who do similar work and have similar um, intentions behind their work. So I'm on Instagram at Elise Knox Connection Coach. And my website is EliseKnox.com. Okay. K-N-O-X. Yes. K-N-O-X. Yeah. (laughs) And you're on Facebook too. I am on Facebook too. I I feel like my, I, I hang out most on Instagram, but it's connected. So I do. I am on Facebook. I'm just more like I, I'm, I hang out more on Instagram. Yeah. And you have a giveaway, I think on your website, don't you? Something where they can put in their email and what is that that's on your website? Yeah. So I have a communication guide because one of the um, biggest challenges that I come across with moms of teens is like I, I mentioned earlier, like how do I, everything I say is triggering to them. I'm walking on eggshells. How do I talk to them? And I believe like connection and communication are kind of what creates that foundation that I was talking about with that I didn't always feel like I had with my stepson. And so um, I am a student of nonviolent communication and my guide is along those lines. Um, And I actually have a a short like video series because I know like a PDF can be a little exhausting sometimes um, where I just go through my guide. Yeah, I love that. That's so helpful because, you know, we need we need those conversation scripts to help give us things that we can pull out, like you said mm-hmm. earlier, when we are feeling triggered and we don't know what to say. So, well, and I think like with nonviolent communication, the thing that I love about it is that it's it's like first connecting and working on yourself. Yeah. And half the time when I go, when I go, when I take myself through the process, I'm like, Oh, I don't even need to have the conversation anymore because like, I feel complete. Um, and so much of the work is within ourselves. 
Yeah. Oh, really? This isn't even about them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Great to be with you. And thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. And I just want to take a moment to thank you. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for reaching out to me through email and sharing with me the difference that the podcast is making. And I love hearing from you. I hear from youth workers. I hear from moms. I hear from caregivers. I hear from dads. I hear from grandmas. And I just love it. So if you could take a moment, just a minute, and leave a review if you're enjoying this podcast to get the word out, I would so appreciate it. I'm a big believer in the importance of community and support and learning more about raising our tweens and teens and how we can grow and how we can support our kids to do the same. So thank you for being with me and I will see you back here next time. Have a great week.